You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Thank you once again to the legend Esther Lynn for that terrific introduction. Welcome to all of you to a brand new edition of Between the Links on MMAfighting.com. A lot to discuss as always. UFC Vegas 6 and Bellator 243 are in the books. UFC 252 is coming up on Saturday night, headlined by Stipe Miocic, defending his heavyweight title against Daniel Cormier in the final fight of DC's career. I truly cannot wait for that matchup. And this week, we have a little bit of a change to the lineup. Our defending champion, Jed Mishu, is in the middle of a storm center as we record, and he lost power and he lost internet. So we have ourselves a short notice interim title matchup between two former Between the Links champions, and the winner will go on to face Jed next week on the program. So let us introduce the participants first. Thus far, the longest reigning BTL champion of all time. He is going to attempt to thwart the current streak of our champion with the victory this week and start a new reign of his own. From MMAfighting.com, host of the A-Side live chat, Mr. Jose Youngs. Welcome back, sir. Now, let's get something straight. Jed was in the middle of a storm, and he lost internet, what, 10 minutes before he was supposed to go live? You can pretend there's a storm in Atlanta all you want, but we know like an act of God would literally be the only thing that could possibly save him from what was coming, so... Good excuse, but he can pretend all he wants, but we know what's really happening. It's that Jed needs to go buy some actual fitting clothes so he doesn't look all frumpy on camera, and then he can come challenge Challenge me for my title. Wow. How about that? And taking on Jose, and I'm kind of rooting for Jose right now, just see how Jed would respond to that. I'm not going to lie, but it will not uh, deter how I scored this contest at all. We have another former defending champion, the co-host of On to the Next One. He is all over the place these days. The Prince of Positivity himself from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Alex K. Lee. How are you, sir? Thank you for stepping in on minutes yes. notice. This is uh, yes. probably throwing you off slightly. I, I cannot speak to the veracity of my uh, sometimes collaborator's claim, Jed Mishu, uh, but I am here to defend his honor on, on short notice. I made the wait. It was not easy. Uh, I did it the Derek Lewis way. I, I took a big poop and uh, I, I made it. So I, I am eligible to win the title. I am on championship weight. Uh, I, I, I am as prepared as I can be. Anyone who knows me, I like to be prepared for things. So uh, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. I make no guarantees, but uh, I will. I will put up a scrap and I will cheat a little bit also uh, as Jed would. Well, if you made weight, that means you can win a bonus as well. So how about that? And this is what we call a segue in our business because we're going to kick things off talking about bonuses because we talked about which card was better on paper on last week's show between UFC Vegas 6 and Bellator 243. You know, now let's take a piece of those events and we'll see who stood out in a fun weekend of combat sports. So the UFC, as you guys all know who are watching this right now, fighters will get awarded performance bonuses based on how well they perform in the octagon. We saw four fighters receive an extra 50 Gs on Saturday night. Darren Stewart, Kevin Holland, Gavin Tucker, and Andrew Sanchez all got bonuses. So I thought this week, let's give out some BTL weekend performance bonuses. I mean, why not, right? So Jose, we will start with you since you would have won the random draw against Jed. Taking a look at Bellator And a real fight. There you go. But taking a look at the <laughs> Bellator card 
and UFC Vegas 6, the performances, the aftermath, etc. If you could give three performance bonuses based on those two cards, who would get them and why? Well, all three would be to Bellator. And there were some great fights uh, in the UFC. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Darren Stewart's win. Me and him are our, 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 our choice of music is very in line with one another. So it's hard for me to, to skip over him a la, and similar to Derek Lewis, but it's hard not to mention Michael Chandler. He's going into free agency. Uh, I think he's the second, maybe third greatest, uh, Bellator fighter of all time. I think it's Patricio Pitbull is easily number one champ champ has the KO win over Chandler. And then I think it's between Chandler and Lima. Number two, uh, is going to go into free agency is one of is it's, it's rare. We get these moments in MMA nowadays where we have such a, in-demand fighter that becomes a free agent still at the, in the prime of his career coming off the biggest win of his career. Like, yes, it was for a championship, but he KO'd Benson Henderson, not TKO, not submitted. He KO'd him. He left him face down on the canvas in the first round. So uh, to, to say that he needed that win entering free agency to really demand the biggest piece of the pie would be an understatement. He did that with flying colors. Uh, great post fight. Uh, interview. He even talked Conor McGregor. Talked. Uh, he's gonna field all. He's gonna field all offers specifically with his family in mind. He, of course, has the adopted uh, son, which he's very much uh, in love with. As he said over and over and over in that interview. So you gotta mention him. You gotta mention Valerie Lareda, who, if you just look at our YouTube numbers, uh, her post-fight press conference has dwarfed pretty much everyone. Uh, got a got a TKO win or KO win, I think, or KO win, not even TKO, KO win uh, in her first fight uh, in you know very long time. Uh, everyone knows how she marks herself on Instagram and I don't personally care how she marks herself one way or another. She could post 50 photos a day or no photos a day. And I wouldn't really care. Uh, I'm strictly, uh, speaking on her fighting ability. I think she's a phenomenal fighter. She's not quite there yet. I'd like to see her get the MVP treatment, but not as long, maybe eventually give her a bump up in competition. But then her post fight interview where she said that she would, she was visibly shaking and she was like, like even uh, Sajar Eubanks is like, why does she seem like she's out of breath during this press conference? And it was because she was so visibly angry at her opponent for what she said. She was demoralizing the sport. And her response was, well, I just waited my time and then destroyed your face and then demoralized your face. So look at all the Instagram posts she wants, all the Twitter posts, all of the dance she wants to do. When it comes to it, she just beat the soul of her opponent, destroyed her, and then talked all kinds of greasiness Gave a shout out to Hori Mazdal, dwarfed all numbers in terms of view count. So got to give her a shout out. And then Saba Hamasi is going to be my last one. A Lebanese fighter uh, who said he was going to donate, who's going to auction off his fight kit and give all proceeds uh, to help aid the the tragedy in Lebanon. So uh, may not be the biggest name. Uh, did get the win over Curtis Millinder, who's a uh, uh, former UFC, both former UFC fighters. So uh, you have to give a shout out to him. Dustin Poirier gave him a shout out because, of course, he has the good fight foundation. He does something similar. So uh, two great performances and two great post-fight press conferences and then one fighter uh, down for the cost to support a, an absolutely horrific tra tragedy overseas. All right, AK. So Jose is going with Chandler, Lareda, and Heineken's biggest fan, <laughs> Sabah Hamasi. So AK, what say you? We have two events to choose from. Jose went with a hat trick with Bellator. What are your three performance-winning bonuses of, uh, of this weekend? I've got to spread the love a little bit here. And I will say it, it pains me to leave Lareda off my list because Lareda, I think, really stepped up to the plate with that finish and and I, and I did, as I have been, I think, saying all weekend, 
the best post-fight dance in MMA history. It's not a very high bar. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko's great, of course. Ryan Jimmo, shout out to RP Ryan Jimmo. Uh, Serginho Moraes had a great dance once upon a time, which I can't even describe, but I think anyone who knows what I'm talking about will, will remember. She hit that dance so well. I almost want to put on the list, but I have to leave her off just for now because I do want to spread the love. Number one, I, I, I don't think I know if we were ranking them, but I, I'm going, going to rank them. Number one, Michael Chandler. I cannot argue. That's a huge performance to, to, to have heading into free agency. The first guy to finish Benson Henderson in six years. Six years, and he put him out in, in a round. I mean, that is like, that is nuts. And again, I, I know, uh, you know, Benson Henderson, might his name might not have the cachet that it had, I don't know, whatever, two or three years ago, but he's, he, I think he was coming in on a four-fight win streak. He is a top lightweight in Bellator. He's a tough out for anyone. Again, even the fights he lost against like Andre Koroshkov, a, a bigger fighter, he, he went to a decision. He he wasn't finished. So uh, for Chandler to do that and just add to his Bellator legacy was huge. And again, now he can take this and either get a bigger contract with Bellator, go to the UFC as so many people want to do, go to the PFL, which is uh, which is certainly possible. Go to one for that Eddie Alvarez rematch. That has he has to be for me the number one performer of the weekend. Uh, number two. People aren't going to like this because the guy missed weight, but I, I'm so in on the whole Benil Dariush experience. Four straight finishes now, five straight wins. I hated that he missed weight. I think we all know that's like the first thing you have to do as a fighter. That's your job. But he's never done it before. No excuses. He didn't make any. He wanted to get a post-fight bonus just so he could give it to his opponent, which was slick. Uh, and, the, and the highlight itself, it's going to be one of the knockouts of the year. You know, The UFC can recognize it as a performance of the night or not. It, the, the knockout sensational. So if you haven't seen it, spinning back fist and again, four straight finishes. He's suddenly become this, he's a jujitsu master. He's suddenly become this knockout artist, but it's also still an insane ground threat. And, and I hope he does get a top 10 opponent soon and they, they don't necessarily penalize him that much for missing weight. My third, you know, Mike, you said two events. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to cheat in multiple ways because this, as again, shout out to Jed Mishu. This is what he would do, go outside the lines here. And he would also shout out Ryzen which happened uh, technically this morning in Japan. So it was well, the weekend over there, been the morning over here. Uh, Kai Asakura finally, finally winning that uh, bantamweight title. He's kind of like been this blue chipper 135-er in Ryzen for so long. I mean, he smoked Horiguchi, and then he took out uh, Oko Sasaki, another veteran. And then the thought was that he would fight Manel Cape and win the title, and Ryzen would have the star, and Manel Cape took him out. So a little bump in the road there. But uh, they matched him up for this show, for Ryzen, uh, Ryzen's second show of the weekend, their return to uh, to activity since uh, since COVID-19 started, and took out uh, Hiramasu Ugekubo with a very exciting uh, soccer kick KL. So I'll give him uh, my third star for the uh, for the week. And, uh, yeah, just spread the love a little bit. But Michael Chandler, for sure, number one, big time. Let's Let's sort of add a wrinkle to this whole thing, AK. When we talk about leaps and stocks rising in the sport you know you, you can go with rising as well however you want to do it you know, this is this is your show here which fighter stock took the biggest leap over these last few days like from where they were heading in to where they are right now in this fast moving sport where things change so rapidly who had the highest jump in your opinion oh man well this is where i'm going to shout out Loretta. i think i think for i think she had the most attention she's ever had on one of her fights so there was a lot of eyeballs in there and a lot of people waiting to see her go splat you know fall on her face make fun of this so you know whatever instagram you know supposedly wannabe fighter who's just an instagram model and you know it wasn't the prettiest fight like early on i think i saw a lot of commentary on twitter like oh she looks so tentative and then i'm like it's her this is her third third pro fight second third uh, what do people want her to look like? Like, I don't understand. And she gave them the highlight real knockout they were looking for. So, uh, and again, like I said, uh, she, she did great. I think in a lot of the interviews leading up to it, as Jose pointed out, her post fight stuff was great. She came off as very genuine. You know, I know a lot of people are going to question her, her public persona, uh, as you should with any celebrity, I suppose, but she came off as very genuine. Again, the dance came just 
was fire. And it really, uh, the thing that one of my favorite parts was, I think some one of the guys was coming over to check on her like a medic. And then she started doing the dance. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna back away for now. Uh, so it wasn't like this rehearsed thing. It like really kind of like, there's these awkward moments, but those are the kind of the best moments we get in MMA sometimes. So I would say her stock rose a lot. It's gonna be a lot of haters, but I think a lot more supporters too after after this weekend. What do you think, Jose? Because I mean, Lareda, I mean, if all things considered, Lareda is still only three and oh. She got a lot of attention, of course. She is who she is on social media and and people either love it or hate it. There's not a lot of gray area with Lareda, but there were, you know, some people up a few notches, some fighters who performed very well on Saturday and got a lot of shine. Do you agree that Lareda's stock rose the most, or is there somebody else that sticks out to you? There's someone else that sticks out of my mind because we can talk about who stands out the most and whose stock rose and this and that in the eyes of the fan. There is one name that matters in in how that person views you, and that is Dana White. And I tell you what, he is a big Kevin Holland fan after this weekend. Uh, was supposed to fight, obviously, Trevin Giles, fell apart, immediately turned around, stayed in Vegas, took another fight the week after, tried to fight Ed Herman. You know you know, Dana White loves fighters that'll be like, I'll, like, my opponent fell out, I'll fight Ed Herman on 30 seconds notice. And even in the virtual media scrum, he's like, you give me two hours notice, I'll fight Jago Santos again at light heavyweight. So like, you know, Dana White loves that. Says he wants to rebook him again. He's already cut weight twice. He's had one fight fall out. He's fought in Jacksonville, has one fight fought out, fights again a week later. Now Dana White's already talking about booking him again. So we could talk about Valerie Lareda being a big deal in the eyes of the fans and having a great performance and shutting up critics. But Dana White loves Kevin Holland right now. And if you're Kevin Holland, that's the only thing that should matter. So uh, I think in, in terms of who stock actually rose, we saw Kevin Holland's rise this weekend. All right. We are off to a good start. The first point of this BTL interim title bout will go to... Alex K. Lee, he is on the Loose. board, but a hell of a, Loose. hell of a first round. I'm getting excited. We're 25% into the show. As no overtraining, Mike. No overtraining. It's been an issue with me in the past. People know I go hard. I go hard in the gym. I always say practice is the real game. So maybe this is like, this is going to work for me now. See, there you go. Just come in short notice. You don't have to overthink anything, <laughs> oh, but let's head to our next question. Both of you mentioned it, sang his praises and deservedly so. Michael Chandler officially is a free agent. He's got a ton of momentum behind him after knocking out Benson Henderson in the first round of Friday night's Bellator 243 main event. And with that, I love this kind of stuff because conversation has been sparked in a big way about matchups we could see from Mr. Chandler now that he has all these different options ahead of him. So AK, we will begin with you and look, I know we touched on this on the post-fight show on Saturday, but a couple of days have, have passed since then. But let's really get into this thing. What would be the best fight, in your opinion, for Michael Chandler next? Whether he stays in Bellator, goes off to the UFC, goes somewhere else, what would you put together if you had the mighty pen and why? Like you said, we mentioned it post-fight. I ended up talking about a little bit on our podcast because one of the names uh, from the uh, UFC show I thought would be a good matchup for him. And I'm going to mention that name again. But let me let me preface my answer first by saying, look, I could give you some sexy answer, okay? I give you some sexy answer that everyone's like some dream match that people want to see in the UFC. Oh, Conor McGregor, you know, to try and win this round. But I may give up this round just so I can push my personal choice. I think Michael Chandler should come to the UFC and get a... This is the comparison we made on on uh, the post show on Saturday. We said, what would be the equivalent of when, you know, Justin Gaethje came over and they matched him up with Michael Johnson? Like, what's that level of opponent? What would that level of opponent be for uh, for Michael Chandler? I think Benil Dariush is that guy. I think he's in that 10 to 15 range. I think stylistically, they would match up so well. They're both super well-rounded. They're both fight finishers. Uh, I know it doesn't have a lot of cachet, but again, I, I, I will not lie to America, okay? This is what I think could happen. This is a matchup that I like. 
Uh, there's a lot of options. Look, but I want to see him win one fight first. The UFC is pretty good about not throwing uh, new signings into the fire. Who was who does Eddie Alvarez's first opponent? I'm going to mess this up. Cerrone, right? Yeah, he's pretty yeah, good. Which is tough, but Cerrone. <laughs> As a tough matchup, but not a top, not a top five guy, right? Uh, so someone definitely with more of a name name than Darius. So Darius would probably be in between sort of the Michael Johnson Cerrone range. I think he's a little more well known than Michael Johnson. Definitely not as well known as Cerrone. But I, I put Darius in there, and I think that's what they should do with Chandler. Don't go for that big money matchup right away. You don't need that matchup with someone respectable. Someone who's been looking for a name opponent, but again, kind of tripped up with his weight thing. So maybe don't get someone in the rankings right now. And uh, have him be the guy. Have him be the guy to test Chandler and and you know Dana White's little. How good is this Bellator guy really? You know, and, and, he, and Chandler can show him. Or Darius will show him and get himself a, a top five guy. Jose, what do you think? Has your stance changed since Saturday? No, and for I don't understand why AK is saying, oh, don't throw him in there with the Wolves and then compare him to Donald Cerrone. You just said Benil Darius is riding a four-fight win streak and all stoppages. What win streak was Donald Cerrone on when he fought the Alvarez? Four-fight win streak. Same exact scenario. He was also, and then he fought like five more times and then won them all. And then eventually got starched by Rafael Dos Anjos. So um, I, I, I want to give Michael Chandler someone big right out of the gate. I don't want, he's, 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 Pat, he's on the wrong side of 30. He doesn't need to build up fight. Benito there uses on the wrong side of 30. I don't want to see those two fight right now. I want to see Michael Chandler fight someone like Anthony Pettis, Charles Oliveira, Dan Hooker, one of those guys. Selfishly, I would love the Anthony Pettis fight. They must have been champions simultaneously at one point uh, in their career, at least uh, in the top two, top three, a lightweight at one point. So I think that's one of those fights that would be uh, uh, Anthony Pettis has said he's down to go to 150, 170. He's even talking about fighting Anderson Silva. I'm not even going to entertain that right now. If Anthony Pettis wants to go to 155 again, he's not going to fight for the title anytime soon. Michael Chandler needs a guy that's not going to fight for the title anytime soon. So if there is a bump in the road, it's he, he at least loses to a high-level competitor Editor, and the UFC is like, oh, look, uh, remember what happened to Hector Lombard? He loses to Tim Bosch right away. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, is Hector Lombard even really that good? Uh, I want to see him fight someone like Anthony Pettis, who isn't going to fight for the title anytime soon. Uh, but it's still a big name, an exciting stylistic matchup uh, in, in a stacked division. Or if you want to try to get him on the path to Tyrell Charles, Oliveira, Charles Oliveira deserves a big name. Uh, I'm not even looking this as a way like, oh, Michael Chandler gets to fight a big name in Charles Oliveira. I'm viewing this as Charles Oliveira gets a big name in Michael Chandler. No one in the top five is going to fight Charles Charles Oliveira right now, unless Dan Hooker uh, wants to throw down with him. At, but he, I don't know how if he wants to make that trip all the way to America again. I guess they could throw that on Fight Island in a in a main event. But uh, I want to I want Michael Chandler thrown to the wolves right away. Top five, top six guy or former champion Anthony Pettis. I don't want a slow burn. Win two, throw him in for a title fight. That's my that's my opinion. We love these conversations because we get to throw out all these different options. But of course, there is a difference between what we would like to see and what actually happens, right? Like sometimes these things line up perfectly, but more times than not, it is the complete opposite of what we could have possibly expected. So we're gonna take a stab at some realism, what we think will actually happen here. So when it gets to decision day for Michael Chandler and he lets the world know what organization he will be competing in moving forward, Jose, will he stay in Bellator? Will he go to the UFC? Will he go to one? Maybe he takes a stab at the wonderful world of bare knuckle. Who knows at this point? Jose, where do you think, if you had like $20 of supplemental income, what would you put that $20 down on where he actually ends up after all of this? Um, That is a good question. I think my gut 
says Bellator just because he I'm sure Bellator is going to open the uh, back up the Brinks truck for him. I know he wants that rematch with Patricio Pitbull, but I want him to go to the UFC outside of the Pitbull fight. There's nothing else for Michael Chandler to really prove in Bellator. So I, I want to see. It's like you and I grew up watching uh, and maybe AK. We grew up in Red Sox country where it, back in the day when the American League and National League only played interleague, what, like three weeks a year, maybe two weeks a year. And the All-Star game was that much more exciting because you get these matchups like Mark McGuire versus Pedro Martinez, which you would never see ever in the regular season. Yes, it's only at least one at bat. And yes, Pedro's going to win every single time. But you get those fun matchups that you never get to see. And I want to see Michael Chandler fight the Donald Cerrone's, the Justin Gaethje's, the Oliveras, the Hookers, the Poirier's. Like Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier is phenomenal. And I'll watch that fight every day of the week. But my gut is Bellator. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a loyal guy. I think they're going to offer him a lot of money. The UFC's made a lot of money, but they don't really seem like they're going to open the checkbook uh, for fighters like John Jones, Masvidal, McGregor, Sahoud and all the stuff. I can't imagine that's going to change for a free agent like Michael Chandler, but I want to see him in UFC. My gut says Bellator. AK, Michael Chandler, I don't know if you've ever interviewed him, but every time I've talked to him, yeah, money's part of it. I mean, he has a family now, so it means more than it has since like the last time I talked to him, but Michael Chandler is a competitive guy. That guy wants all the smoke, but now he's got a family to think about. So what do you think happens here? Does he stay in Bellator? Does he move on to quote unquote greener pastures? How do you think this ultimately plays out? I'll be honest. I was just, as I was listening to Jose, I was just looking at this list of guys, uh, the, the lightweight division. Uh, there's just not a lot of fights left for him there. Like no. I said, may, maybe a pit bull rematch. I mean, Miles Jury just won on the same card. I can't imagine anyone wanting to see that fight. Uh, the, the, of course, there is the Brent Primus trilogy, you know, so much unfinished business that needs to be resolved there. They're one and one technically. Gosh, I, I just don't see how he can go back. I mean, again, you're right. Money is number one. You know, if, if it's about the money, I'm sure Bellator can make a very good offer. It's home. You know, it's it's the place he knows. It's always very tempting. But I mean, if you really just wanted money, he could go to PFL, right? He'd clean that place up, probably. I'd like to see him and him and Nathan Schulte, maybe. So what do I think is going to happen? Uh, I do think he's going to make the UFC move. I, I do think we'll see the UFC move. I was a little skeptical. Um, I think after after Saturday, I think I was kind of of the camp like, yeah, I mean, he has a lot of negotiating power. Staying staying back would make sense for a new contract. But uh, I just I cannot see who he would fight if he went back other than rematches and uh, guys who have so much more to gain from fighting him than, than he has from beating them. So uh, I, I think he's going to make that move to DOC. The other option, of course, is uh, the one uh, one for a rematch with Eddie Alvarez. But that, again, that seems like a one fight idea. And I don't know if he has any interest in going over there. So um, I'll, I'll take the safe bet here and say, yeah, I think the UFC is going to happen. Imagine if this is five years ago. Like this conversation, it'd be so insane. <laughs> I mean, he's still very good. I mean, he's mm -hmm. quietly won like 11 out of 13. The premise loss is kind of a weird one. The Pitbull one, it is what it is, but he's still really, really strong. He's still winning fights and he's still finishing guys at a pretty ferocious pace. So the options are a plenty for the former three-time oh. Bellator lightweight champion with that. Oh, am I crazy? AK wants or, to add something. So, to uh, yeah, add. Am I crazy? I swear he's, uh, Chandler said in an interview that if he really... I may even think of someone else. I swear he said that he could make 145 if he really like focused on. Am I crazy? Did this not happen? I don't know. Is this a I, have legit, I do not head? recall. Like, I, I, like, I, I a, swear he is a pretty, thick 155. Yeah, I think height wise, I think that's why I'm thinking it. But yeah, he's not a skinny. Yeah. He's not uh, a, height, height wise. He for sure fits the 145 mold. Right. He is a 
It'd be like if, like, technically, Volkanovski's probably the same height for a one thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. like he's not making one thirty-five anytime soon. If he could somehow do it, that's the only way I think that it really, really, really makes sense to one forty-five. But I mean, he's thirty-four now. At this point, I don't know if he would well, want like, to put himself in something like that. So right, and even the Pitbull rematch, Pitbull's tied up with that featherweight Grand Prix, so mm-hmm. that would still be a ways away have to wait. Uh, before he gets to rematch that, unless he wants to fight Patricky Pitbull again. <laughs> I like AK just trying to get in there one last second, try to to sway the point away. But right uh, after the bell, right after the bell, Boom. right after the bell. <laughs> but the point is going to go to Jose Yams. I stand by up. Darius. This is I've chosen this hill. To, Darius Chandler. <laughs> I have chosen this hill to die on, and I don't care if it costs me a round. This is like you in booking Joanne Calderwood versus Antonina Shevchenko. That fight, at least the Darius one, makes sense. The Shevchenko one makes no sense at all. Look, Mike, I'm still getting over the loss of uh, Neil on Neil. Uh, shout outs to Jeff Neil. I hope everything's all right with him. But I'm very sad that we, it looks like we've lost the Neil on Neil matchup for now. But uh, yeah, hopefully everything's okay with uh, with Jeff Neil. Absolutely. So let's head to our third question of the program. UFC 252 is coming up on Saturday. And at the top of the bill, Stipe Miocic defends his heavyweight title against Daniel Cormier. The trilogy fight is finally here. And it's also the final fight of Daniel Cormier's career. Potentially, but this is being billed correctly, in my opinion. The biggest heavyweight title fight of all time, the battle for the greatest heavyweight of all time in the UFC. I love everything about this fight. So, Jose, we begin with you. While many believe this is the biggest heavyweight title fight of all time, where does this fight rank in terms of biggest UFC title fights of all time across the board? UFC heavyweight or just MMA heavyweight? UFC title fights. I would, in terms of like anticipation, um, the, 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 the largeness of it. And any division you're saying all, all divisions. Oh, yeah. across the board. Okay. Oh, across the board. Okay. Yeah. Phew. I don't, I wouldn't put this top five in terms of anticipation. I think the lack of fans and the lack of media and everything is really just sucking away the, the energy entering this rubber match. And it's a, it is like you said it, whoever wins, this should be the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. If not the greatest MMA heavyweight of all time, but I just feel like there is something missing and it's like looking back, the last great trilogy we had for the UFC championship was JDS Kane. And the third one of that felt like a big, big deal. And I think it also has to do like the last fight was a year ago before that. It was so it was like July 2018, August 2019, August 2020. So they're fighting like once a year if something like that. And like when Kane and JDS threw down, they they took fights in between and then just basically cemented themselves. Uh, not only cementing themselves, like violent. Like, remember what Kane did to Bigfoot? Remember what JDS did to Mark Hunt? Like, they earned that rematch against the guy. So I still think in terms of anticipation, the rubber match between JDS, Kane, nothing tops that uh, in terms of the heavyweight division. But in terms of title fights, I don't even think this might be top five. Like, obviously, Conor Habib is a big one. I, I honestly was more excited for... Uh, Izzy Robert Whitaker because that was interim champ versus champ. You got the New Zealand versus Australia, 185, both in the prime of their career. Obviously, Aldo McGregor. So I do not disagree with you that the winner of this should be the greatest UFC slash MMA heavyweight, but I feel like there is just something missing. And I know they're doing the big press conference this week, but the lack of fans is weird. The lack of an international, like if this was an international fight week with the fans surrounding everyone, it might be a different story. Uh, even their second fight, they coached tough, so there was at least some goofiness between them. But even the second one, I was at. Neither one really seemed interested in talking about the other one. Daniel Cormier kept talking about John Jones. Steve Bages kept saying, oh, "I just want to, I just want to fight Daniel. Cor- I, I just want to fight Daniel. I don't care if it's for the title. Well, if he doesn't care if it's for the title, then why should we?" 
Uh, so I, there's something missing. So I wouldn't even put this top five most anticipated title fights across the board in UFC history. Okay. AK, you are the Prince of Positivity. Are you a little more positive with this one? I am, but I also, I also agree. It's, it's, I, I just, you know, by the nature of their personalities, it really is hard to say that Miocic uh, Cormier three is a, is this, you know, enormous prize fight and that it's even a classic feud. It it almost doesn't feel like a feud. It's just not personal. They're both so nice. Uh, the, 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 the most we've got out of is like, maybe, uh, I don't even think they've kind of went on the eye poking thing too much. And then now, uh, I think Cormier is trying to sell this. Oh, he thought the last fight was a fluke angle, but I don't know if he really believes that it just feels like fight building, um, skill wise it's a great fight. But uh, again, as we know, that is not what, what built, you know, makes necessarily a, a memorable legendary prize fight. Unfortunately, I mean, we'll know after, you know, if it's, if it's an all time war, then we're, you know, we have to reappraise this question. But if we're talking pre-fight anticipation, I mean, you have like two probably Conor McGregor's in there in the top five, him and Habib and him and uh, Jose Aldo. Uh, I think GSP, BJ Penn would be in there. It, mm-hmm. it, it just needed room to breathe. You know, it really just needed room to breathe. You, you can certainly have, I suppose, in combat sports, back to back to back fights. I'm only thinking of like uh, Mickey Ward, Arturo Gatti. That's about it, that they fought like literally three straight times. And that was, you know, but it's going to look weird on Miocic's record to see that he just, it's just Cormier, Cormier, Cormier. Uh, and yet somehow there, it, it doesn't feel like it's escalating. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's that build there. So I don't think anyone doesn't think it's not gonna be a great fight. I don't think anyone is dismissing the whole, the, the, the storyline of, you know, whoever wins could be, is probably the greatest UFC heavyweight, uh, in, in the company's history. I don't think anyone's dismissing the fact that this is the last time that very likely we will get to see Daniel Cormier fight. He, this could be the capper on like one of the best MMA careers he's ever seen, but the matchup itself just does not have that extra level of heat you know, that you like to see in what you what you would call a trilogy bout. Um, so uh, people want to see it for sure, but I, I can't imagine it having that mainstream sort of extra appeal. I just don't know if I can sell this to someone who, let's say they never heard of both guys, even if I kind of gave them a quick, showed, showed them, you know, one of uh, Esther and Casey's, you know, uh, videos, the timeline videos. I don't know if that would sell it. I, I really don't know. So I'm not in the top five for me. I would say not, not one of the all-time most anticipated title fights. I think the big story outside of the actual fight itself is, the fact that it is DC's last fight. So I feel like all the emphasis of this fight is on him. And I feel like in a weird way, Stipe is in a win-win situation. Like if he wins the fight, he retires DC, he's still a champion, goes and fights Francis Ngannou in that rematch. And if he loses, he's probably still going to fight for the belt again anyways. So yeah, it takes a little bit of a hit on his on his record and his legacy, and he loses the trilogy to DC. But overall, he's probably getting right back to a title fight. So I wonder how he approaches it from that aspect. But AK, let me go back to you because DC has been very open about this being it for him. But we've heard him say this before, and we've heard this many times before in our sport from other fighters, and the opposite happens. So let me ask you, do you believe that win, lose, or draw – this Saturday will be the last time we see DC in an octagon competing, or do you think there is something else out there for him that might entice him to stick around? I mean, we could, the only I could see him, you know, 15 years from now doing like a a, a Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. s some sort of wrestling exhibition. Him and Brock Lesnar, you know, finally do a wrestling exhibition when they're in their 50s, something like that, live on pay per view, 49.99 only in America. Uh, but no, I. Is this his last time competing for real? His last like actual professional fight that Matt? Yes, I I do think he's done. That's not to say that there aren't options. John Jones always going to be looming. There's always some crazy scenario where John Jones comes out of the woodwork and uh, they set up a third fight for whatever reason. And people would watch and and probably as kind of to play out the the base of this question, 
would probably be more anticipated than any of the Stipe Miocic Daniel Cormier fights. So that's why you, you can't you just can't say it's not going to happen. Um, but no, I do think he is honest. I think he's done. He's already well past his due date. I think we all remember. I think it was March of last year where he was like he'd said that date for himself, and when he turned forty, so now he's already over that. It's a shame because. I think we know he'd still be competitive against any heavyweight in the top 10, any light heavyweight in the top 10. Um, but that's really not how prize fighting works. You don't hang around or you shouldn't hang around. I just say, even if you know you could beat the number three, number four, number five guy, once you make it to one, it's one or none. Uh, and that's kind of where he is mentally. So I, I think that this is it for Daniel Cormier on Saturday, win or lose. Jose. Yeah, I would have to say so. I think that's only three names that would get him out of retirement. Uh, two of them will never happen. Uh, and that is Brock Lesnar, Fedor. I mean, Daniel Cormier, remember back in the day, he was called the black Fedor in the strike force run. Uh, and he himself said that he considers him and Kane to be the two best heavyweights ever. Uh, and then the third one would be Brock. Was, I don't think that fight's ever going to happen. Brock's never going to fight on a pay-per-view in the ESPN era in front, in front of nobody in Las Vegas in that tiny octagon. And then the third one, of course, would be John Jones at heavyweight. I just don't think unless the UFC, again, backs the Brinks truck, multiple Brinks trucks back. Uh, I don't think John Jones fights anytime soon. Uh, and if John Jones doesn't fight anytime soon uh, and, it, and it's not a heavyweight, then Daniel Cormier has no reason to come back. Uh, so that one is maybe a, I'll give it a 30 percent chance of ever happening. But on, in terms of Daniel's career, I think Saturday is it. I think the only one that would bring him back would be John Jones. Uh, and even then. I don't think the UFC and John are on the best of terms right now. So I don't think the UFC is going to give uh, him uh, the benefit of the doubt because I think they really want that style bender John Jones uh, fight at light heavyweight in 2021 before they want a third fight with DC and John Jones at heavyweight. All right, Jose, let me, let me just bring this back one more time because I haven't seen a prop bet for this, but I have a feeling that if it hasn't come out, it will come out before Saturday after this fight. Win or lose for Daniel Cormier, he lays down the gloves, tells Joe Rogan, thanks, buddy. Can't wait to commentate with you in the future. When John Jones hits Twitter and responds to it all, is this going to be a respectful tweet or is this going to be a little bit of a dig to try to get him out for one more? Um, I think it depends on what happens in the fight, because, I mean, we've seen like we've seen the the respectful John Jones when people retire or even when something bad, like when Alexander Gustin retired. Uh, John's put out a nice tweet, but then when, when Gustin got submitted, he just did the googly eyes. And then when Daniel Cormier's father passed away, John Jones did something very nice, uh, and then vice versa too. Uh, when Daniel, when John Jones is, I think his mother passed away. Daniel Cormier said something nice, and even John Jones has said like, "I want there to be." a point in our careers where we could be cordial with one another and say like, cause they're going to be linked forever. It's going to be like Holyfield Tyson. You can't talk about one without the other. And they do charity work together. John Jones even says like, well, if Daniel can do this past 40, then why can't I? So, you know, John Jones would is it, it respects Daniel at least some somewhat. And Daniel Cormier respects John Jones as his competitor, but he just doesn't like John Jones, the person uh, for reasons that for reasons outside of the octagon that he has every right to. Uh, so I think it'll be respectful uh, nonetheless, especially if Daniel Cormier retires. If anything, I think he's going to praise Stipe more than he says anything about DC if Stipe wins. Uh, because remember when Stipe beat DC last time, John Jones tweeted, Stipe is the greatest heavyweight ever. It wasn't even a dig at DC. It was mostly like praising Stipe. But I think we have to see what happens uh, before I can even possibly comprehend what John Jones is going to Because also, John Jones is going to be blocked on Twitter for reasons unbeknown <laughs> to me. So I won't even be able to see it if it happens. AK, what do you think? I don't know if you're blocked from uh, from John Jones, his Twitter yet, but uh, what say you? 
I'm not, not yet. Uh, no, I can I, I look. We've seen, we've seen uh, uh, John Jones turn on the nice guy switch and turn on the the supposed heel switch. You know, uh, whenever he wants to. Uh, right now, he's in very much, I think, very uh, charitable John Jones mode. He's been a little quiet. He's been speaking up about certain social issues. You know, so he hasn't really been uh, too too focused on what's been going on in the fighting world, which I think makes sense. He's because he's sort of you know. He's kind of taking that stance that me and me and the UFC aren't really on the same page now. Why am I going to talk about fighting when you know when, when I'm not fighting myself? So good policy for him to have. Uh, he will have to weigh in. I say have to. I mean, like by the by the laws of MMA Twitter, he will have to weigh in either during or after uh, Saturday's main event. And no, no, I do think it'll be something. Congratulations, Daniel. Whatever, whatever, something like that it's it's probably sitting in his drafts right now. Um, and uh, as Jose said, you know. Uh, hopefully he and DC can, can, can get along and can at least get along. Uh, they don't have to be best friends. Much, much like Jose and I, you know, two strong personalities, two strong champions. And someday, someday when this whole MMA thing is over, I hope that you and I, you know, can actually hang out and get along. We don't have to be best friends, you know, you know, our kids don't have to play together or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> but I like to think we could at least, you know, go to, go down to the comic book store and you can like bore me with like some, yeah. oh, how your favorite graphic novel, like anybody cares about that crap. And, uh, <laughs> You know, and we'll and we'll get along in that way. I think that'd be good. And then I'll wow. dunk on you again. I I don't even get it, but damn it, you're committed to it. <laughs> it started like happens. so so nice and friendly, and then AK went downhill a little bit, and then Jose met him halfway up, and we collided again. I, uh, I did the big glove folks. tap. Big glove tap. I personally cannot wait for this fight on Saturday. Between the matchup, I'm, as everybody knows by now, I'm a big storyline guy, and this is a top-notch thing in terms of storylines, in my opinion. And uh, as AK alluded to, let me give a plug to the incredible work from Casey Lydon and Esther Lynn on the Stipe versus DC3 timeline piece. It is phenomenal. I highly recommend that you make it a point to watch that and, and get your knowledge on ahead of this fight on Saturday night, since it is so well done. And speaking of points, point goes to... Jose Young's as we head into round number four. AK loves these positions. He loves to come out and even up the score. So let's get to it. Let's look at the rest of this UFC 252 slate. The main card has a lot of intriguing matchups. A lot of people have the co-main event circled between Sean O'Malley and Marlon Cheeto Vera. A little quick plug for myself. I interviewed Cheeto Vera on What the Heck last week. It is amazing. Vera is kind of terrifying but calm at the same time. So go check that out. But as a whole, Alex Kaylee, looking at this entire card on paper, if you were to give it a grade and you love giving grades, what are you giving UFC 252 as a whole and why? Uh, for, well, let me just say my, uh, this is where I think the short notice is starting to affect me. I think my cardio showed in round three, but I think I'm getting my second wind. It's okay. I kind of took that round off. I think I'm back now. Now, Mike, I'm glad you you came to me first because I believe that you what you're asking me is to once again introduce my gymnastic scoring system to the MMA world for anyone who may have missed it on our on one of our previous shows. Uh, so the way this works very quickly is there's a there's a every card has potential, you know, has has a potential score, and and then you you it starts and then you go up to that score. It starts at zero once the night starts, but then it works its way up to its potential score. So for example, the fight card that just passed for a fight night. I said that school, that show could be a 9.5. So then it starts at zero from the, from the when the night starts, and then from there it tries to get up to that 9.5. Sometimes these shows make it, most of them don't. There's no such thing as a perfect show, I don't think, though I'm sure fans will correct me. There's been a lot of great shows in MMA history. But uh, the scale also, of course, for pay-per-views is a little different. So I'm going to say it has a lower potential score than the Fight Night show that just passed, but it's a pay-per-view, so it has to be a little bit higher. So I think, I think, 
after all that preamble, I will say this as a this has a, a, d- a degree of difficulty score, Mike, of nine point two. And I'll say I'll 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 say why. Okay, you've got a big main event at the top again. We know we said it's not the most not those you know hyped main event, but as far as compet- competitively. At heavyweight, you can't get any better. These are the two best heavyweights in the world right now. So, boom, right there. There's your quality headliner, Sean O'Malley, getting his first, I believe, his first, uh, definitely his first pay-per-view co-main event. Uh, and what a chance to shine for him because he's getting a, a, an all-action fighter in Mullen Vera, and Vera also a guy who is so overlooked that if he beat O'Malley and took Sam with that hype, the UFC might not like it, but I think fans would think it's very cool. So you've got that uh, uh, JDS Rosenstreak big heavyweight fight, oh, definitely going to end in a knockout almost for sure. Uh, and then you've got compelling matchups: Dotson Vajvili and Kalayev Kuchalaba on the main card. So right there is good. And then also on the prelims, you have you know well-known names like Jim Miller and Felice Herrick. So you've got veterans. You've got a couple of uh, a good strawweight contest. It should be competitive, very well matched. And then you also have the chance for prospects to shine like uh, Christakis, Herbert Burns, and uh, T.J. Brown, among others. Not to count out there opponents but i'm just saying i think there's an a side in some of these matches so big names on the main card big title fight at the top veterans in the prelims uh and uh, uh up and comers getting their chance to to show up on on a on what should be a, a very highly watched show so uh 9.2 it could reach a 9.2 the highest that is my pre-fight gymnastics degree of difficulty score jose what do you think <laughs> Well, I'm going to compare it to the like recent pay-per-views. And on paper, uh, it's not as stacked. I'm like, looking back, like 251 was that the three title fights had Homaz Vidal was at 250 had Amanda Nunes, which was the greatest female fighter of all time and the number one ranked fighter in the UFC four video game. Also had Sugar Sean, Aljo, uh, uh, San Hagen, um, just... 249 was unreal. That was the Jacksonville card. Another three fight title fight. So I'm going to have to go bet 248 had style bender Romero. That fight was weird. So I'm going to compare this fight to 248, 247. Uh, it's right there. It's not the most stacked, but like in terms of the main event, it's pretty, it's pretty freaking unbelievable. But like that's been, kind of been the, the theme of like Cormier's and Stipe's careers. Like they headline these fights like, yeah, two was it 241 was pretty awesome on paper. But I remember when they were the main and co-main in Boston, Mike, the rest of that card was real good for MMA fans, MMA media was not the best for getting people to tune in. I like what was the third fight from the top was uh, was Cater and Burgos, which which ruled. But those aren't the two biggest names, especially at the time. So I'll compare this to 247, 248, 247 ended up being pretty good. Uh, a lot of controversy at the end. 248 was bizarre because it had the greatest and worst title fights in UFC history. And I'm not even, that's a joke. I don't even think Stabender Romero's the worst title fight ever. But again, Joanna Wiley could be the greatest title fight ever. So I'll compare it to those two on paper. It has a lot of potential, like AK said. It could very well hit a nine or 10. There's a lot of matchups that make for high level finishes, but I don't want to even, I, every time I try to predict a fight, especially like, because like since AK said JDS and Rosenstreet can end in a knockout, it definitely won't end in a knockout. Uh, especially because he of his of his tr- of phenomenal track record of cursing fights like Nikita Krylov and Johnny Walker uh, in up in Vancouver, I believe that fight was. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it has potential, but I'm gonna compare it to 247, 248. I think uh, 49, 50, and 51, two, uh, 250, 249, 250, 251 were just better on paper uh, all around. Ortega zombie is definitely happening. It is definitely, it hasn't even been booked yet. I guarantee it happens before the end of the year. Hope so. <laughs> I think we all hope so. But let me, let, let, let me go back to you, Jose, because the prelims are, are kind of interesting. In fact, yeah, yeah. there's some new England representation on this card. Parker Porter, who yeah, by yeah. the way, in 2008 in Wilmington, Massachusetts 
was knocked out in 36 seconds by a young man by the name of John Bones Jones. That How about that? That happens. But uh, <laughs> he's on the prelims taking on mm -hmm. Chris Doskis, which would be fun. Is there a prelim fight that kind of sticks out to you that could steal the show? Like, is there a Polo Reyes, Dong Hyun Kim type of prelim fight that could shine ever so brightly on Saturday night? Like, in a, like just, just steals the show off the top. I, I can't, I can't remember all the fights off the top of my head. Uh, I believe Jim Miller, Vince Michelle's on this card. If I'm not mistaken, yep. that might be the featured prelim. So it has to be that. I mean, the rest, who else is on this? Like the Ashley Yoder fight. I think Felice Herrig's on this card. Herbert Burns. But like I said, like, I don't think Yoder and Felice, I, Yoder and Felice Herrig should win, but I don't think it's going to be like an insane war or insane stoppage. I think Herbert Burns is phenomenal enough that he could get a stoppage win and it won't be a back and forth war like Rep Polo Reyes. So I'm going to say Jim Miller and Pichelle. Pichelle's great. I was at his loss to Gregor Lesby uh, up in, I think it was, where was that fight? Uh, Utica was that in Utica, New York? My God, that was that's a bizarre time in my life. Uh, and then Jim Miller has like every single record in the UFC outside of all Donald Cerrone's records, so it has to be that. I think the rest of them are good fights, but in terms of what you're like, what's going to steal the show, fight of the night, anytime Jim Miller is in there, I mean, it's it's on the short list for some sort of bonus. Miller and Pichel, if memory serves me correctly, they're both coming in defeating Roosevelt Roberts in their most recent fights, right? Because I don't know if Pichel fought since then, did he? I do not know off the top of my head, but I like, what's his name? From Hell, Vince From Hell, Pichel. I think that's an awesome nickname. And then Jim Miller is the definition of just a blue-collared fighter who will fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. Uh, and he's oddly on that weird win streak, and all of a sudden he might be in the top 10 again, which is just bizarre in 2020. Uh, I think it was like 2018 Shogun was like the same thing. So, But yeah, it has to be Jim Miller and Vince Michelle uh, in terms of a potential fight of the night, on the prelims, that is. What do you think, AK? I mean, this this kind of question is right up your alley with your abilities to to find the diamond in the rough, so to speak. So, what say you? Well, I'm well. First of all, I have to. I I was hitting the correction button. Sorry, I probably wasn't hitting it hard enough. I hit the correction button, Jose. I I you made a slight error. Uh, Yoder is not fighting police here. Yoder and police. No, are I'm saying fighting. I, no, they're they, on the car. I didn't say they're on this. They were fighting each other. I meant they they're that's on what the it sounded like. Yes. Who's Yoder fighting? Uh, uh, yep. Livia uh, Souza, right? Yes. And I have no idea who's police uh, uh, Herrick's fighting. <laughs> Genderova. There you go. Uh, anyway, uh, so Yoder is fighting Livia Hanata Souza. Mm. I think that could be a, a fight to steal the show. I think you, I think Yoder's a scrapper. She's a little bit. I think I feel like she's in a little bit in over her head against an opponent. The quality of Souza, but she's super tough. So I don't know if I would pick Souza to like blow her out inside of a round. I do think it'll be a, a fun to watch decision. Maybe, maybe a convincing win for Souza. That would be my prediction as of now. I guess you know six days away from fight day, but. Um, I do. I think it could be a really, really, a really, really fun scrap, and uh, and Susan's going to be motivated because I I think that loss to uh, Brianna Van Buren it wasn't like completely unexpected, but for, to someone with so inexperienced to beat her, uh, I think May's going to light a fire in her. So I think her and Yoder are going to be that's going to be a, a good scrap. I'll pick that as as maybe one to watch. Yeah, Yoder's always in these like bloody battles, so I could definitely see that potentially being the one. And uh, points going to go to AK just based on accuracy and you know jose just didn't want to pull up the card in front of him he did a nice job trying to battle through it but you know ak threw out the specifics and, and got us there to this final question we're heading to the knockout round as you can see ak already has his face buried in his hands because this is what pressure is all about one question decides it all neither of these guys know what that question is it's gonna be 60 seconds on the clock to give your response and after both competitors give their answer we'll go to the truck to judge E. Casey Lydon, he will render the final decision, and that makes for very exciting stuff. 
most of the time. Other times, as AK can attest to, not so much. But we'll see what these guys can come up with. And since we don't have a champion right now on the panel, we're going to go, we're going to let AK pick a number between 1 and 25. Wait, and then uh, Jose is also going to pick a number, right? Correct. Okay. I was like, it really isn't a game you can play with one person. Uh, 17. AK, you got it right on the money. <laughs> Literally right on the money. So there's no drama here. But there is some drama now because you get to choose whether you have learned your lesson, if you would like to go first, <laughs> or if you'd like to pass this question on to Jose Youngs. Mike, the last two times I've been on, uh, I had, as you said, I had the option to choose whether to pass the question first or to take it. Both times I chose to answer first and both times I embarrassed myself uh, by being woefully unprepared and the smart thing to do probably would have had let my opponent go first to, uh, to give the, you know, give myself an extra 60 seconds to, to, to formulate an answer or at least Google something really quickly. It'd be insane for me to go first again. So obviously give me the question right now, kick me the ball. I'm going all the way to, I'm taking it to the house. All right. So before we crown Jose, the BTL interim champion, just kidding. Here's the question. <laughs> Honestly, this morning with the whole Michael Chandler becoming a free agent conversation, it got me thinking about the idea of fantasy matchmaking and our crazy sport of mixed martial arts. <laughs> AK's already like freaking out. So the question is, I don't think it's as bad as you think, AK, but if you could book a cross-promotional champion versus champion fight between the UFC and Bellator or whatever promotional combination you would like to see, AK, what would you book and why? One minute on the clock, you may begin. I am terrible at these questions. How dare you? How dare you do this to me? Uh, okay. Well, I chose to go first. So I'd have to involve Habib somehow. I feel like Habib is 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 in the mix there. This, you know, this didn't even come to my mind, but but in the spot, I'm gonna say, and I feel like I think this is crazy, man. What about Habib versus versus Pitbull? I mean, I know there's probably a, a considerable size difference there. I, I'm sure people think like, oh, he just grappled him to death. But look, I hear a lot of people say that that Pitbull's, you know, one of the best fighters uh, ever. I would say that hasn't fought for the UFC. Uh, he's a great grappler. Uh, a fantastic striker, one punch knockout power. So there's always that mystique to it. And again, he's he's that classic guy that people say, man, we would love. We, you know, they always talk about him fighting. You know, whoever's the featherweight champion is in the UFC. Why not go even a little bit bigger? You know, he took out, he knocked out Chandler. That was amazing. He established himself as the greatest fighter in Bellator history. So it might seem a little bit out of the box. And I'm really wishing that I had gone second. Five now. seconds. But Pitbull Habib. I mean, I hadn't thought about it till now, but why not? You know, I think you have improved, AK, because normally you take 30 seconds just to try to crawl your way out of the box of doom. And Not this you time. It only took you like 10 seconds this time. And that's a fascinating fight between Habib and Pitbull. And as like the final 20 seconds were running off the clock, Jose had this, this grin on his face. Like, oh man, just, just throw me the ball and let me swing. So Jose, same question to you. Cross-promotional title fights right now. What would you make and why 60 seconds on the clock and go? Well, it's a little bit of a bummer because Bellator doesn't have middleweight or bantamweight champions right now. Because like if Musasi was the champ, it's it's style bender Musasi all day. I want to see that fight so bad. But because he's not champ, the answer is Amanda Nunes, Chris Cyborg 2. That is the only fight I want to see between the UFC and Bellator. That fight should have been made immediately after their first fight. As soon as Chris Cyborg beat Felicia Spencer, she was wearing that shirt. She wants that fight. 
I don't care what Dana White says. I don't care what 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 fans say. I don't care what the Twitterverse says. Chris Cyborg is not afraid of Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes is rightfully the greatest female fighter of all time. She's being every champion and former champion she's faced. She took that mantle from Chris Cyborg. I still put Chris Cyborg a very close second in the fact that the two greatest fighters of all time in their gender are fighting in the same weight class and we will not get the rematch is just baffling amanda nunez chris sideborg two for all the titles i like no titles i just want to see that rematch again all right uh, this is this is great because jose made his face while ak was making his point and then ak made uh made a little smug face of his own as jose was making his choice i think he was a little stunned by that choice and i'm kind of stunned that ak didn't pick his 2020 fighter of the year kamara usman versus Douglas <laughs> lima but uh Big decision here, Casey, because AK was calm, cool, collected with his selection. Jose very animated with his. What say you? Who is the BTL interim champion? Well, <clears throat> I will say right now, as a judge, I'm going to actually um, deduct a point from you, Mike Keck, for, for the low blow for the Kamaru Usman <laughs> shot at AK. No, That's a no, fight. no, no. I just deserved it. I deserved it. No, I should. That was a low blow I took, and I just I, I immediately said no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't take my five minutes. I was like, no, no. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't a fight island low blow. No. And new, Jose Youngs. Oh, the, the, the enthusiasm. The, it was the enthusiasm. He sold it. Like I, I, I get AKs. You know, Mr. Calm, cool, positive, but. This is this is mixed martial arts. I want this is yeah. cage fighting, guys. Come on. MMA is a silly sport. You have to act silly when you're trying to win a fight. <laughs> All right. Well, Jose, with the victory, you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. If you'd like to take this 30 seconds to send a message to the undisputed champion right now, Mr. Jed Mashu, you may do that as well. But 30 seconds is yours. No, no, I'm not even going to mention what's his name, Randy. I don't want to mention him because I don't want to give him any sort of shine because it's like when Connor does a tweet about bare knuckle boxing because he doesn't want to give any shine to something lower than him. So, no, I'm not going to mention uh, Randy Michoud, uh, st- uh pretending there's a storm down there in Atlanta. I'm going to say UFC 4. I have the beta. Fix your algorithm. I won 14 fights in a row by knockout, and I still don't have a title fight. And you're giving me nine and ten ranked fighters, even though I have wins over the top five, including the champion, all of which were by 360 tornado kick. UFC 4, fix your algorithm. I know you got that interview coming up, Mike. I'll even plug your what the heck show. So fix the algorithm, and then it's good. then it's a great game. But until then, you got work to do. There you go. And AK, you stepped in on short notice. I'm going to give you some uh, some shine time as well. Uh, all I want to say is, uh, you know, I, I fell short as, as uh, much like Jorge Masvidal did when he stepped in on short notice. Uh, these things happen. Uh, also, I will say, I think the judging was a little fishy. I feel a little bit, to make another analogy, I feel a little bit like Michael Bisping when he lost to uh, Chel Sonnen before, you know, and then to set up that Chel Sonnen-Anderson Silva 2 rematch, you know, fight. I know it's the fight everybody wanted. So uh, I almost feel like I was a dead duck walking in here. But I will say, uh, as usual, Jose is a champion for a reason. And uh, I can't wait to go to the comic book store with you sometime, buddy, and you can uh, improve my improve my uh, my shelf. Wow, what a classy, Deal. classy end to the program. Now we get a comic book 
you know, little pairing going on. I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. Once you could enter the country without fear of catching a <laughs> virus, then we can make it happen. <laughs> we'll have to put that on the MMA Fighting YouTube page. I'm sure our listeners and our viewers would love to see a trip to the comic book store between you oh, two gosh. guys. But, uh, but that's it. Big thank you to Casey Lydon for the judging and the production. Esther Lynn on the graphics and that fantastic introduction. Next week, Jose versus Jed Mishu unifying the most coveted title in MMA media. For AK, for Jose, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here next week as we go back once again between the links. It's UFC 252 Fight Week, everybody. Get excited. We'll see you. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. Vox Media Podcast Network.